All you. All me. Hi, my name is Ron Cowie. And I'm Alex Boudelier. And we are Oyster Farm Productions, and you are listening to the Oyster Cast. Today, we're going to be talking with Tooney Shartner, Rhode Island's Economic Gardener, Executive Director of District Hall and Venture Cafe Providence, VP Ecosystem Development at Innovation Studio, co-founder and director of the Hive RI, and an all-around amazing business consultant and connector of people. I learned so much. You will, too. Listen, listen, listen. And later on, we're talking about creative habits and not just how they affect us as photographers and filmmakers and artists, but where you can draw parallels elsewhere and why it's not only important for your creative pursuits, but just life in general. So true. So very true. First up, Tooney Shartner. I've been kind of going over your LinkedIn profile, which is... Robust. <laughs> yes. Can you talk a little bit about the history of your professional career as as a consultant, as an innovator, as kind of... I, I like the idea that you have as kind of like a gardener for business. Yes, happy to. The phone is ringing downstairs. Are you picking that up? Yeah, but that's okay. It's business. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it, I wasn't sure if I was talking, you know, about kind of my career, which is much more holistic than if I was just to talk about District Hall Venture Cafe. You can talk about whatever you want, but I think it's more interesting to hear about how, what, when you talk about you in a more holistic way, it makes a lot of sense. And we're going to kind of wind up at Innovation Business Partners. I'm probably messing that up, but <laughs> like, I, I think, I think one, you know, it's like, who is Tooney? And that will kind of, and what your insight, what insight you bring to the business that you're in now, because I've known you since the hive and then you went over to Newport to start that kind of space. And I got me thinking about like creating space for innovation and what that looks like and maybe some of the history of that. Yeah. I'm actually in the hive right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is my forever kind of home office. Uh -huh. I live in Wickford Village. The Hive is only two miles from my house. I have the great, we have access to the, the walking trails mm -hmm. in Ryan Park, right behind the Hive. And what is happening is when I go up to District Hall some days, I'm in back to back to back to back Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. So like last Wednesday I was in and they didn't even know I was there because I went in, I went right into a room and I was on back to back call. So what I've been trying to do in this future of work is practice radical self-care. And it is not sustainable for any human being to be 10 to 12 to more hours a day on Zoom or on a screen all day long. And so I, I am very purposefully having at least two days a week where there's space in between my meetings. And those are the days I go up to District Hall. And it's it's actually quite lovely. I mean, the, the drive and like last Thursday, I had some conversations and I'm so not used to that because I'm used to just being alone and working all day long. And even if I take my, my dog Homer, who I'm sure you've met because oh, yeah. he was, yeah, he's been here at the Hive since he was 10 weeks old and I used to bring him over to Innovate Newport. He's great because he forces me outside. Otherwise I would be inside sitting mm -hmm. in my chair on my screen. So I've been really shifting to have more old school phone call meetings. So I think the future of work, I think I kind of am exemplifying that right now. I I think that mix between 
having a choice whether you work remotely or not, mm-hmm. right? As the executive director, I don't, I do need to be up there, but I don't need to be up there every day. And I'm trying to create balance and, and practice a little self-care, which while drinking out of a fire hose for a solid 10 months, you know, self-care often gets put on the shelf. I think that I'm not the only one in that case. I know a lot of my peers and colleagues and friends are also in that. I definitely see a shift to more mindfulness, a focus on the hamster wheel that mm-hmm. we so often get caught on. I'm seeing a shift. I have friends like Katie McDonald of Be Nourished who's been preaching this for years. And, mm-hmm. and now she, you know, everyone wants to hire her to talk at their company because what she's been screaming sometimes with no sound coming out, it must have felt like people are starting to really get it, especially leaders of organizations. So that that is one thing I can I can predict and say it's already happening. But going back to, you know, me as Rhode Island's economic gardener, about 11 years ago, I got divorced and I made a decision to lead a very intentional life and to use whatever tools, talents, and strengths I have to do my part to help the Rhode Island economy grow. So that title, Rhode Island's Economic Gardener, is who I who I am, what I do. I, I do my part to help the Rhode Island economy grow. And I do that whether I'm running TS Consulting, helping individual small businesses grow, mm-hmm. you know, helping them with their growth strategies and their digital marketing and SEO, or whether it's growing a, a community-based economy like I did with The Hive and The Mill at Lafayette. So I co-founded The Hive, as you know, nine years ago? Yeah. Nine years ago this spring. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, Mike Baker, who's owned The Mill Complex since the 80s, was at 42% occupancy. Mm -hmm. He had lost his major tenant, which was the Department of Children and Families. And the recession was still lingering, and he was underwater. And he is a small business, right? He owns 85,000 square feet. He's so 72,000 square feet just over 40% occupancy. So he was underwater and I co-founded The Hive mm-hmm. and as you know, have worked out of it since and used it. It was kind of like my blank canvas. I knew I wanted to live and work in an atmosphere like this with you know exposure to natural light and nature and miles of walking, running and biking trails right behind us mm-hmm. and a water feature like that, you know, as well as, as you know, I've incorporated an art gallery here as well. Yeah. All of that stuff makes me, and I'm an extremely productive person, it makes me it, it balanced and more productive. And I just knew intuitively other people would want to live and work like this. So the hive is its own thing. It's a co-working space and some people just pay to work alone together here. It's the nucleus of the mill community, which I call a community-based economy. Mm-hmm. Some people, nonprofits have meetings here and it's an art gallery. So I've provided a space for artists at all different levels of their career to have a space to market themselves, their art. The Hive is available after hours and on the weekends for nonprofits and our tenants within the, the mill complex. So that was what I was doing for fun, and we are at 100% occupancy now, almost 100%. That's awesome. And <clears throat> that was with very little marketing dollars, with Tooney being creative and utilizing very strategically the Hive as a guerrilla marketing tool to drive engagement and, and rebrand the mill. Instead of having a ginormous anchor tenant and a few dozen small businesses, we have over 150 businesses in here now where mm-hmm. people can work alone together. So during the pandemic, we've been thriving because people are isolated, feeling isolated. They still need to get out of their homes oftentimes. So 
all these small offices have allowed all along for people to not feel so alone because there are other people around, but they're private and safe and they have their own dedicated work areas within their private offices. So we've actually done really well here. And then, so I became more known in the state for this. This was kind of my passion project mm -hmm. versus what I was doing for revenue, which was TS Consulting, helping mm -hmm. individual small businesses grow. That is why I got tapped to open Innovate Newport. Uh -huh. They needed a very um, gritty entrepreneurial inaugural leader over there. Mm -hmm. And um, I had been part of a focus group. I was a member with TS Consulting of the Greater Newport Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And because I am pretty well branded throughout the state as a very collaborative co-working founder. Yeah. And because this mill represents adaptive reuse of historical building mm -hmm. inventory, and it's a great business model for a small business that I became known for that. So I was on that focus group and Innovate Newport is a public private partnership and I was a big fan of it. And then I hadn't heard about it for a few years because it had gone through so many hills and valleys yeah. with multiple with the funding model, that's difficult. So it was meant to be a two and a half million dollar two year project. Mm -hmm. Eight years later, we got it open at just over $8 million. Okay. So they needed someone to get it open and to build the initial community and culture. And after I thought about it, it's an important cog in the collective wheel mm -hmm. that is continuing to strengthen and diversify that region's economy. Mm -hmm. So I signed up for 18 months, give or take a couple months to get it open and build the initial community and culture. The first nine months, well, let's see, for the first nine and a half months were construction, were under construction. So it was mm -hmm. me and the contractors and while there are holes in the floor and holes in the ceiling and I gave over 600 hard hat tours as I was marketing it mm -hmm. and you know getting ready to open. And then we opened in May of 20. 19 and from may to december 31st my last day we hosted over 175 meetings trainings pitch events other events and we signed up well over 150 members and office tenants and while i was there i became friendly with the teams that were opening cic providence and mm -hmm. district hall venture cafe providence mm -hmm. so early on i think my second month september of 2018 I started August of 2018 for Innovate Newport. I was actually here in my Hive office, mm -hmm. had a call with Tim Rowe, the founder of CIC, and Kevin Wyant, who was the then executive director of Venture Cafe New England Foundation, which is our parent nonprofit. Mm -hmm. This last year, we changed the name to Innovation Studio. We formed a collegial relationship early on, and these projects, CIC Providence, the whole building, 225 Dyer, the two parts that I represent as executive director of District Hall and Venture Cafe Providence, that the initial funding was the state as part of that innovation and design district. And I'm sorry, there's a siren going by. That's my um, ride. <laughs> yeah. So it was important that we were, you know, collegial, collaborative, mm -hmm. and complementary, so we could expedite the growth of both projects because they were both important parts I, I call us all Team Rhode Island. Like mm -hmm. We're all Team Rhode Island. You are too. Oh, yeah. The Rhode Island is the smallest state. I think one of our biggest strengths and opportunities and what is, is leaning into our differentiator and unique value proposition is that we are all interconnected in mm -hmm. one way or another, and we can make things happen fast, whether it's promoting ourselves as a soft landing for companies that want to come here from another country, mm -hmm. we can very quickly connect them to the resources they need. Maybe their uh, DOD and 
innovate Newport is the place they need to land mm -hmm. because they have unmanned underwater vehicles. Or maybe it's, you know, a med tech, life sciences based, and CIC Providence is where they should be. And then we have private meeting rooms and event space at District Hall, and mm -hmm. we can connect them to lawyers and accountants and whatnot to expedite them landing here. Mm -hmm. I really think that that is Rhode Island's unique value proposition. In this crazy time, mm -hmm. I know we've been able to, at District Hall and Venture Cafe, continue to lean in and support the innovation sectors, the growth sectors, like mm -hmm. the growing offshore wind supply chain. We're playing an integral role in the region and in yeah. the country. We've been able to lean in and continue to keep that community connected to each other, to opportunities in that space. And then MedTech Life Sciences is the fastest growing sector in our economy here. We do very robust programming with our partners in that. But we've also simultaneously been able to come together to support the small businesses. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm super proud of in the last year. We partnered with the Com Commerce RI and as well as over 50 amazing small and medium-sized businesses that were signed up as volunteers early on. We've helped over a thousand of Rhode Island's small businesses, micro businesses awesome. with their digital transformations. You really helping them rethink their business strategy mm -hmm. in this new normal help them build another revenue stream through e-commerce platforms and mm -hmm. assisting them with their on and off page SEO and getting their Google My Business set up and then driving traffic to their new e-commerce site, helping them with their social media and email marketing. That's mm -hmm. been very rewarding. And that speaks to, to our differentiator here in Rhode Island. And mm -hmm. I view it because I've been such a part of it as our recent governor's legacy. Her team very strategically has has been working on connecting all of us mm -hmm. and creating this really supportive infrastructure mm -hmm. that I think will continue to pay off long into the future. When I moved to Rhode Island from Ohio it, or Massachusetts, it, when I moved to New England, something that I really noticed was there was this kind of very tight-knit community, but it's also by its nature, it, it takes all comers. I think it was like Jim Howe or whatever said, if you know five people in Rhode Island, you know everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you know Jimmy Howe, then you know everyone. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that kind of connectivity in our state is really fascinating. And you're right. I, I think Gina, the Governor Raimondo. Secretary. Secretary. Raimondo. Yeah. I, what, I guess we call her by the most recent title. So yeah, there you go. Secretary Raimondo, when she was governor, just the stories I heard about how you could give her a truckload of information. She would sit there, take it all in. Five minutes later, she's already forming a plan. And it's not just kind of like, well, this might work. It's like, that's a plan that's really going to work. And being able to kind of connect people because it's Rhode Island, it, it's not a big Rolodex that you have to worry about. And all of a sudden, we can make things happen in a way that is different than, say, I don't know, Texas, you know, to be, you know, a drastic comparison. So, or even Massachusetts. Or even, yeah, well, it, <laughs> you're right. So, yeah, we have District Hall Providence, which is mm -hmm. 8,000 square feet. Okay. Um, where the front of the house, the first two floors, front of the building at 225 Dyer. And so we run free public lounge that is open to the public mm -hmm. Monday through Friday, nine to five. People can 
work there every day. They can work just if they need to get out of their house. If they have a meeting in Providence and they need a place to you know work before, mm-hmm. if they want to have casual meetings, uh, our free public lounges on the first and second floor are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then we rent private meeting rooms and event space okay. uh, at very affordable fees and with beautiful views looking over the Providence River across the pedestrian bridge. To like we we are literally directly across from Plant City. Okay. And then Venture Cafe is our signature Thursday programming. And so every Thursday, 48 Thursdays a year, we run programming. And some of the Venture Cafes are connected to uh, Cambridge Innovation Center. So mm-hmm. we're in the same building as CIC Providence. Okay. All right, all right. And we are there. So what we do, our nonprofit, we connect anyone with an idea or a business to the resources they need to grow. And maybe they need our space. Maybe they need our private meeting rooms to conduct meetings as they're uh, growing their East Coast team. And then they they scale and they're big enough to move into CIC Providence. So yeah, that's what we do. That's really cool. It's a lot of information. And so if I seem stupid, one, no, it's I'm, a lot. <laughs> I'm easily confused, but I'm also just kind of processing it. And, and the image that I had was, it's kind of like the internet on a human level. Or it, I, I type in on Google, you know, I, I need a podcast or whatever. But this is actually, is that an accurate kind of description? Yeah. And you know me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty self-aware at 53 years old, and especially after 10 years of being hyper-focused on yeah. like that. I The one thing I do well that I love to do is connect people. And so it's kind of like a weird, like, pinch me Mm-hmm. role I'm in right now because that's what we do as an organization. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, wow, I'm kind of uniquely qualified to be here right now doing this. And it's such an important piece of the puzzle we're all building together as we all grow the Rhode Island economy. So it's kind of it's kind of fun, I have to say. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I, it, you Google, you, that, I'm sorry, That's I love that analogy. I've never heard that, but it's kind of funny. Like, you know, we're like a search engine. So, so there is this more... I think you said synergistic or symbiotic uh, relationship. So that that analogy maybe does make more sense where it's like, I I don't want to Google it. I, I want to actually talk to Tooney because I'm going to get a very specific response, which I'm at a point now where I need real answers in real time. What are some common issues that you see very small businesses bumping into? Like, what are some things that if you could say, here's something I see all the time over the years that you've been in business doing TS consulting, how has that changed? Are the first problems that you saw kind of getting solved, but what is the progression of small businesses and innovation in this day and age? Is it always been the same? Like it's same problem, different face, so to speak? Yes and no. Okay. I used to call myself a digital marketer, right? And Uh then everyone's a digital marketer and that confuses people, right? And and what I realized my differentiator was, and, you know, I think we're all part of a very collegial community. You Mm -hmm. know, NIM, Newport Interactive Marketers, is a great example. Oh, yeah. Like Suzanne and I, she's one of my closest friends. Yep. And for years, we kind of did the same thing, but we didn't. You know, there's there's someone for everyone and mm-hmm. we would refer to each other and we'd share ideas. But what I noticed over over the years, and, and when I say years, I really mean decades, Yeah. because I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've owned businesses with my ex-husband and mm-hmm. by myself and I've owned a landscape company, which I really loved. And that's part of the reason I call myself Rhode Island's economic gardener, Absolutely. because I literally and figuratively can help a business from the inside out or the mm-hmm. outside in. But I noticed that 
other, you know, someone would come to me and say, I need you to build me a new website or mm-hmm. um, I need help with X. And it, but as soon as I started asking these questions, I realized not everyone asks these questions and mm-hmm. you can't do any marketing until you have answers. So I call it phase one and there are three parts. Mm-hmm. First is the self-awareness audit, which is really getting down to their differentiator and unique value proposition. So asking questions like, you know, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do what you do? And this could be a micro, like a, a solopreneur, or it could be like a small business with 25 to 50 employees. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It, we do it on ourselves at, at District Hall Venture Cafe Innovation Studio. Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do what you do? What do you love about what you do? What are you good at? What don't you love about what you do? What where could you improve? It's great to do customer or client interviews by a third party to really get that information. And then part two of phase one is who is your ideal target audience or audience segments? Mm-hmm. And if it's multiple segments, then like prioritizing them. I often use like a triangle mm-hmm. as kind of a, a physical description. Like say you have a triangle and 60% of your ideal target is that bucket. And then under that, there are four or five different buckets, right? So the so you're going to design your marketing to the 60% of it to that identified target audience. And then once you do, you've identified your target audience segments, then the third part of phase one is audience attention identification. So mm-hmm. you, you've done the self-awareness audit, identified your differentiator, your unique value proposition, you know, what you should lean into and spend more of your time on, what you might need to outsource. Mm-hmm. Part two, you've identified your target clients. And part three is where's their attention. So if I'm a spray tan in Johnston, you know, I've identified like women 18 to 34 in a certain demographic area or geographic area, you know, like the majority of them, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, probably marketing, right? Yeah. I'm probably going to be on Instagram and Snapchat and, you mm-hmm. know, et cetera. So, so to answer your question, that's when I say yes and no, those are the same issues. Like a lot of small businesses get into business without business training. Yes. Without thinking strategically like that. So that that is a constant that I see. But the, the good thing when I say yes and no, for years I've been really trying to focus on Rhode Island's micro businesses mm-hmm. uh, and get them to to in, l- understand the importance of investing in digital transformation. Mm-hmm. And what we found with with these thousand businesses we've helped for instance is stuff i've been like i ride horses so i often use the expression you literally can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink Uh right now businesses during the pandemic were like oh my gosh i have to have another revenue stream like i i have to figure out how to how to build an e-commerce site Mm -hmm. i mean for for the last decade, I've been working on that. And so many businesses were like, I can't, I don't have time, I don't have the resources. And now businesses that took the time during the pandemic have another revenue stream. Yeah, they, They've expanded their businesses. I have friends and colleagues and small businesses we've helped that have had the best year, the last year, because they did that. So when we did come back, Mm-hmm. They had the foot traffic and they had the e-commerce site as well. So I think we're going to hopefully see more of that. And mm-hmm. hopefully with the stimulus money coming, we'll be able to, across the country, help small businesses. And small business is the backbone. Like we can't have innovation without supporting small business. So if we have these innovative companies that are coming to Rhode Island and scaling or here and able to scale, mm-hmm. you know, if we're trying to get knowledge capital, like people, younger people, because we have a consistently aging out population, 
if we're trying to if we're trying to bring them here, you know, mm -hmm. attract and engage them and bring them here, or all these amazing colleges and universities we have here, instead of instead of our graduates thinking they have to go to Boston, Chicago, New York, or L.A. or something like that, if it you know, we have to have thriving local communities as well, mm -hmm. and we have to support and strengthen our small businesses mm -hmm. in order to to build those robust local communities in order to support the innovation scale that we're bringing here. I think it was Wall Street Journal about uh, younger generations going back to their hometowns. And oh, yeah. sense that like it's not a failure to go back and there's this small community. They're kind of transitioning from prestige to roots. And I think there's something about Rhode Island that you can definitely put some roots down here and be connected and you don't have to go to Boston. The micro businesses that you talk about, helping them kind of get their, get their stuff together is, is really important. And because of technology, you can kind of get that idea in the starting block and the gun goes off and you can make 10 yards and then there's that kind of first headwind and I think this is where you really come in and it's integral is now I don't know what to do now you know like I had this idea and I, I was kind of relying on my Instagram feed and I was relying on all this other stuff that I see everyone else has and I know I need to have it I don't really know what I need to do but I know I need to have it so it's in my basket and I'm confused and I think a lot of people there's a lot of struggle and where they, they, they have a great idea and you can see it. It's just, they, they need a toonie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just connecting them, you know, getting them thinking differently and, and connecting them. So many people have great ideas and it's yeah. so fun and rewarding for me to be able to connect people who I know will benefit from, mm -hmm. from meeting each other. And yeah, I'm very proud of the community we all have here. Okay, now, and we'll, we'll wind up with this because you've been very generous with your time. Predictions, like what, what do you see 2021? And it, I don't want it to get too far down, but just like, what are the next problems that are gonna need to be solved? What, what do you see coming down the road that's, this is something, it's gonna be an issue and we gotta get ahead of it. Continuing to focus on mental health and mindfulness and, and designing workplaces and work experiences, I think, that, we're going to continue to need to lean into that. I think AI is huge and AI, the VR, all of that is going to continue where, you know, we're going to see more and more of that in ways that we don't normally think of, you know, AI is everywhere, mm -hmm. right? And virtual reality and augmented reality, like all those, all that stuff we're going to see in our interface with small businesses in ways that we never probably thought or mm -hmm. think. I do, I'm a huge data nerd, right? Okay. Data, data, however you say it. And it's, I remember Trilix. Trilix is Tim Hebert's 19th company. And I hosted uh, an event at Innovate Newport. And it was like, I, I think of the mind blown emoji, right? When mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like, and it was the way Rob, who works at Trilix, described like data strategy and, and the importance of data. I was like, oh my gosh, all these decades I've been 
owning small businesses and working with small businesses. And I've never thought of like, I always think of data science and data strategy for bigger companies, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so important because we, we, like I call myself a professional spaghetti thrower, right? Very strategic, but I'm constantly throwing that spaghetti against the wall and identifying what's sticking, right? What's working, what isn't, where do we need to, you know, trash that? What, what do we need to shelf and where where are we getting traction where we need to lean in and invest more time, money, and energy? No matter what I do, I, you know, data informs us. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't stress enough um, the importance of that for businesses of all sizes. And I think a prediction is that, you know, all of this stuff is going to come together and we're going to have technology solutions mm-hmm. at every level that is really going to expedite. And I hope, I hope that instead of just working the way many of us have been working this past year, because we can just mm-hmm. be working 12, 15 hour days, I hope that we we use it. And you mentioned being human, the importance of being human mm-hmm. and why Rhode Island is so popular right now. I have a new friend that was in New York City. He and his wife moved home right before the pandemic from New York City. He was part of the, the original Peloton group. Oh, wow. And his mom lives here and she moved back from Tel Aviv because his sister's family is here. Mm-hmm. I have so many friends that that's a, that's a similar story. Mm-hmm. And then we have a Suli Ko who works on a Rhode Island Commerce Corporation's team just authored an article that was in the New England Real Estate Journal talking about how Rhode Island is such a hotspot right now because mm-hmm. of our cost of living, our quality of life, and our central location in between Boston and New York and Connecticut. So I think in Rhode Island, we're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, this is, I, I think it's exciting. I think, and along with technology, you know, the mindfulness classes and training, mm-hmm. yoga, Pilates, exercise, physical wellness, physical mm-hmm. and mental wellness. I think you're going to see a combination between just awareness of how important that is and how technology is making it easier for us to access that. And I think Peloton is obviously a great example of that. But oh, yeah. I think even locally, you know, my friend owns Men Yoga in uh, Newport and they grew Mm-hmm. during this time. I mean, they're still figuring it out and it's not ideal because they love being in person teaching people. Yeah. But but the way these these companies have been able to diversify their offerings mm-hmm. and and one of my good friends has lost 35 pounds during the pandemic because she does once a month she does an in-person workout with her physical, you know, her trainer. Mm-hmm. And then her trainer gives her uh, a 20-minute workout for that month to do 5 days a week. Mhm. And she, I don't think she's ever had an in-person with her. So I think at every level, we're going we're gonna to see technology change business. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the pandemic, my wife is a wonderful example. She, she had in-person voice lessons and she was giving vocal coaches and she would put on shows and stuff. And when, you know, a year ago, right around this time, we were talking, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But she had this larger goal of being a more national presence. And she, so buy a microphone and upgrade our internet and her business is really thriving and she has she hasn't had an in-person student in a long time she's putting out albums and all that stuff it's really unbelievable yeah yeah something she well at at district hall venture cafe i started as executive director in january of 2020 and always on the shelf i had the intention of creating a podcast i had the intention of creating a video library like and a long-term part of the long-term strategy was to have hybrid programming yeah well we have well over 200 videos in our youtube library now Mm -hmm. of programs that we've done i mean it's just been expedited similar to your wife and 
you know, th- through that, we created a podcast series that I've since sunsetted, but we're, you know, we have plans in Q2 to yeah. create another one. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of silver linings oh, um, yeah. that have come out of this. Yeah. yeah. So it's onward. Onward. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Tooney. I really appreciate this. Yeah. It's All nice right. chatting. Yeah. All right. Awesome. We'll put it in our email. Awesome. Thank you. Thank very much. you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Tooney Shartner, and now Alex and I are going to talk about the creative habit and anything else that comes to mind. Stick around. So I think I was talking this morning, I know I talked a little bit about B&I, and the, between that and, and doing this every week is our own little creative space to sit down every week or have a, have that appointment and create. Yeah. Well, I, oh, okay. I, I think something, the creative habit. Yeah. And that is a great thing to talk about. We can start to talk about it. Well, actually, no, we, we can talk a lot about that and, and just uh, what are some creative habits that you have? That's a good question. I mean, one of the more obvious ones is, you know, anytime I go, nearly every time I go outside, I bring a camera with me. And that's not, you know, not just walking the dog or anything, but anytime we go on a hike or anything, you know, I bring something and if I don't, I remind myself that my phone has a pretty decent camera in it. So making it a habit to not constantly be searching for compositions because that's how, you know, in my experience, that's how I end up disappointed if I'm always searching for like this perfect composition and then I'm not happy with it. But just kind of I've built the habit to know that I have this creative tool with me all the time, whether it's a whole backpack of gear or it's just in my phone and just kind of trying to notice things and just try to observe the world in a way that allows me to, you know, see light a certain way or shadows a certain way or color or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, it took a while to get there. You know, when I first started, it was a lot, you know, I always thought that photography had to have a degree of setup. It had to have intention behind it when, you know, that's obviously not the case. So changing my mindset to, to realize that you can make that kind of art anywhere. Yeah. There's been times I've been on a, a long bike ride and I've pulled over and taken take my phone out to just kind of take some pictures, and and that's because I can have that mindset of always always be creating. Hmm. I remember talking with a photographer, John Goodman, but I remember him saying the best picture you're ever going to take is going to be the easiest one you ever take. Hmm. Because you'll, and I think that was something we were kind of talking about or thinking about is like we have this 
false idea that if it's not hard, it's not good. And I think a lot of people beat the crap out of themselves for doing something that comes easily. Like they just enjoy it. I mean, there are, there are other problems with being able to compose and see things and being kind of a visual person. Being able to put together a nice composition, if that's something that comes naturally to you, is that's great. That's a total gift. A lot of people can't do that. And I mean, I still struggle with it. Of but course. It's a constant learning process to to try to kind of cut out the noise a little bit and what I, I think I struggle with specifically is I have an image in my mind of what I'm kind of looking for mm -hmm. and what that does is it pigeonholes me and doesn't allow me to see anything other than what I think I'm looking for. Yeah. And then that's, that's just a skill that, you know, I, I'm developing over time that I think is just one step in that skill tree. Marie Cartier-Bresson, who was a master at composition. Like, and he did, all he used was a Leica. He just saw things in that frame and it was perfect. Granted, we're not seeing all the stuff that he threw away. The creative habit is that even when it doesn't feel good, like some days, you know, like some days you're just not feeling it and you can go out and you can take amazing pictures and, and show them to someone and be like, wow, Alex, this is some of your best stuff. He's like, well, I wasn't feeling it. Like, well, so what? Yeah, I've been you know, there. So, yeah, separating how you feel and that I think is where the habit comes from. That's what separates... I don't know what that separates. I don't want to say the amateurs, you know, but from the people having a habit of I'm showing up and it's, it might be crap. I don't care. I've heard that. I think it was Chase Jarvis is talking about like, sure. If, if you want to be bullshit to photography, like if you want to be that kind of photographer who just goes out and creates when they're in the mood, if you know you're you get struck with that inspiration and that's the only time you take the camera out that's fine you know great go do that but what separates that kind of creator from a professional is somebody who shows up every day whether they're feeling it or not mm -hmm. i like that definition because it's in some ways it's kind of motivating because I, I call myself a professional photographer, a professional filmmaker, and mm -hmm. I use that to remind myself when I'm not feeling it that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I still need to sit down and work. And at the same time, if there are amazing artists out there who created great work, who are known for whatever discipline they're known for, but only did it when they felt like it, does that mean they're not professional? Professional, I've usually had the definition as being like you are earning your living doing that. And that's not necessarily fair because with artists or any creative outlet, you don't necessarily need to earn a living doing it. When you were talking, I was remembering Chuck Close, who's a very famous painter you know, and photographer. He was known or quoted as saying, 
I don't really believe in inspiration. I believe in showing up every day and always having something to do. It's your, it's, it's your job. Mm-hmm. And that kind of takes away the mythology behind it that people want to have this kind of like euphoric ecstasy of creation mark where it's, it's the work, you know, and that the habits, I think you can practice that in everything. I, I tell that to my kids mm-hmm. because it was advice that was actually given me when I was working in a kitchen and I was in photo school and I was, I was kind of phoning it in. And my boss pulled me aside and said, hey, Ron, look, I, I'm noticing that you're really not with us tonight. And I, I just want you to know, like, that's, that's one, that's not okay. And two, it's important for you to realize that the way you make coleslaw and the way you make a burger is how you make photos. Like if you don't bring that same level of dedication and commitment to making the best that you can here, you're not going to do it there. This creative habit is something that you don't turn on and off. You know, I'd say, well, I'm only going to do it okay here, but I'm kind of saving my ammo because here's the thing. You never run out of energy. Well, it's the whole wax on, wax off thing, right? Yeah. Karate Kid. Totally. Totally. I was going to say, I think like one of the ways that I do that is it's fighting laziness. And that could be something as simple as like, okay, I'm actually going to do the dishes now rather than later. And, and kind of something as simple as be like, I'm just going to do it now kind of thing. Yeah. That I see that translate into when I'm out, let's say it's just shooting landscapes or something when it's like, ah, oh, there might be light over there. Mm-hmm. And the lazy part of me would be like, yeah, but it's fine here. But building that habit of I'm just going to do it allows me to grab my bag, walk over there, realize it's either Yep, glad I did that, or I'm glad I checked. I had it right the first time. And that works well, because like you, very ADHD. So I get uh, laser focused and then super distracted moments apart. I think about like climbing and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the habits that, and, and this is kind of a very military thing and we kind of get into it, but like you sure as heck aren't going to kind of, well, I'm going to climb this thing and when I put my ropes away or whatever, they seemed fine. So that should be all right. If you're serious about it, like you, you, you check and you double check. Oh yeah. Well, everything is double, triple checked. Everything is redundant. And without going on too much of a tangent, the, the, the other part of it is speed is safety. So, if you spend too much time double, triple checking, making sure everything is backed up, mm-hmm. then that can actually be counterproductive. We found this last time I was on Washington mm-hmm. and we got there at nine instead of eight. Mm-hmm. And we got halfway up the ravine and we're like, okay, the sun's coming, like the, the sh- shadow is creeping up. We need to move faster. Mm-hmm. because it's going to get really cold really fast. Mm-hmm. And so we just decided like, okay, we're done placing gear. We're just going to simul climb the last three pitches, which basically means 
rather than climb to the end of the rope and build a belay and wait for the next person to catch up and then just continue leapfrogging Mm -hmm. rather than do that just we're still roped together but you just keep going Mm -hmm. and after a point there was no more gear left for my partner ahead of me to place so Mm -hmm. we were just essentially free soloing with each other as meat anchors Mm -hmm. and that's not ideal Mm -hmm. but in that situation it was arguably the safest option because otherwise we were going to be climbing in the dark and that would have been more dangerous building that habit of analyzing things whether it's safety or a creative opportunity and kind of being able to take a second and slow down and stop and think Mm -hmm. rather than just kind of rushing through a situation, whether it's I'm going to default to the safest thing or I'm going to default to the fastest thing in climbing, or I'm going to default to my wide angle lens because that's what I usually use and that it's a landscape. So duh. Yeah. Versus I think I'm going to slow down, look around and maybe take out the long lens. Mm hmm. And take something interesting with that rather than the easy st- the easy option. So I think being able to slow down, being able to analyze, think, yeah, and ask questions is some of the best habits you can build. That's a habit that needs to be practiced, I think, probably more than you know people would care to admit. But you have to have discipline. You have to have a focus and an idea of what your objective is but mm-hmm. also have some flexibility. And uh, flexibility is is totally key. And I think the same thing happens with creativity where and I know this in my own experience where I I've gotten a little bit better. I'm still working on this. I still have the the arts commission in my head that has very strict guidelines for what passes as good. I think making art for me or making anything is an exercise in ignoring my arts commission, my uptight suburban arts commission that says, oh no, that's not very good. Oh, that's too risky, whatever. I remember watching Keith Carter work one time and he he said, what I always do is if I'm onto something or if I see a picture that I wanna take, I will shoot four rolls of 120 film. And the reason, and the reason why he shoots four rolls of film is because that's how many rolls fit in a developing tank. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, all right. You know. And you can bet your boots that maybe halfway, maybe on the second shot, maybe on the third roll, maybe it, you know, somewhere in that process, the little voice comes in and says, Keith, what are you doing? You're wasting your time this is not a good picture. Just jog on. Like you, you, you thought it was good, not so much. You, you gave it your bet. You had a good run, but just stop, move on. And that I, I don't know where that voice comes from, you know, but I think that's a unique thing. And he has something written on one of the back of his, you know, Hasselblad backs that just said, it's your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is- Right, so it comes back to the whole, like if you're- a professional yeah you show up 
Yeah. Well, it's just showing up, professional or not. It's just you show up. And that's that. And and I those are the people and the artists and the photographers who just go further because they're just not they're not so caught up in the, well, is it any good? Like, well, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. My job is to put light through this box you know, and mess with it a little bit and put it on an, in another box or whatever. It's not to say that it, we're, they're not robots, but it's just having that habit of this is just what I do. I also was thinking, as I was saying that, I was thinking, you wouldn't want your surgeon's performance to be based on how they're feeling. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like your brain surgeon, you expect that brain surgeon to be able to come in and rewire your head just as well if she's feeling great or not. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There's there's freedom in that. Especially when you're creating. Yeah, I think in some ways it, it can kind of take the pressure off. Totally. A little bit. Totally. Because you're not constantly waiting to be in the mood and then feeling bad when you're not. Mm-hmm. I know that's happened to me. It's just, I'm going to go do this. I don't care how I feel. And honestly, like for me, when I make that conscious decision, I usually feel better by the end of it. And I'm in the mood as soon as I take the camera out of the bag. You know, it's, it's, it's the same for me as, you know, trying to get to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, leaving the house is the hardest part. Yes. Once I'm out of the driveway, I'm like, cool, amped. Mm-hmm. But... You know, thankfully, going to the gym is not my job. Photography is, but building a habit makes it easier, and I think is important no matter what we're what you're working on, whether it's creative or otherwise. All right, it's a book by Twyla Tharp called "The Creative Habit," and what she was talking about that really struck me that you just said was, you know, she wakes up, she goes to the gym every day, and the habit that she has is not getting up and going to the gym. It's hailing the taxi or, or turning off the alarm clock, like mm-hmm. getting out of bed. When the alarm goes off a little bit too early, she doesn't want to get out of bed, but getting out of bed, that's, that's what sets in motion the entire process of going to the gym. Like if you're getting, if I'm getting out of bed, I'm putting on my shoes. And if I'm putting on my shoes, I'm getting my gym bag. And if I'm getting my gym bag, I'm going downstairs. I'm going to hail a cab. And if I'm going to hail a cab, I'm going to get in that cab. I'm going to go to the gym. And if I go to the gym, I'm going to do my workout. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with the getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that breaking down these habits, because it's really difficult to say... I'm going to I'm going to make a great work of art today. I'm going to take my camera out and I'm going to find the best picture. Period. It's going to, it, it, it's really going to blow everyone away. Or I'm just going to go out and I'm going to take pictures and I I want to take some good pictures. You know. But if you say my goal is to Are you familiar with let me click around before I start. Okay. Okay. 
Now, this is a, a rabbit hole that we can go down another time, mm -hmm. but just to kind of touch on it a little bit, are you familiar with the digital artist Beeple? Yes. Okay. So he was in the news recently about his, you know, 65 something million dollar NFT, mm -hmm. which again, whole other topic. Beeple is on 5,068 consecutive days start to finish once a day and i'm just going to read the blurb on his website you can check it out it's beeple-crap.com mm -hmm. these pictures are all done from start to finish every day the purpose of this project is to help me get better at different things i'm currently on my 14th round of every days this year i'll be doing a render every day using cinema 4d and mostly octane instead of trying to learn new software i'll be focusing on some of the fundamentals like color composition value etc and if you look through the archives, you know, round one is drawing and then he does Cinema 4D and then you've got photography and most of them are Cinema 4D and the art is is amazing both technically and conceptually. There's some really compelling and interesting and sometimes a little disturbing but thought-provoking nonetheless mm -hmm. art in here and he does it every single day and he, that's that's the habit but I check it out and and that's just every day mm -hmm. and it looks like even round one like his drawing stuff it's nothing compared to his new stuff mm -hmm. and you can see like i can kind of you know looking at it briefly you can kind of see what looks kind of rushed and what looks like he put the time into and you know i can imagine some of that's just like oh, i just got to do something mm -hmm. and and then once you get into you know round two it's a little bit more you know some of it's a little bit more polished some of it's you know maybe not but it's still definitely a step ahead and then you look at his his most recent stuff and it's like you did this in a day and then you did it again mm -hmm. like that's amazing so i think that's, that's it might be a good example to to end on to yeah send our send our viewers to go check that or listeners yeah. to go check that out and and if nothing if nothing else go to youtube and watch the watch that video where he challenges the other guys to make stuff and yeah, well, nothing else you we'll, get a laugh out of it we'll put that in the show notes but yeah the i, th I think what we're, we've been talking about is creative habits and showing up showing up for yourself and for your work and that takes discipline and discipline is really just practice, like saying yes to things regularly. Consistency. What do they say? Yes. How do you establish trust? It's time and consistency. <laughs> you know, like, yep. So we should probably do our intros and outros. Yeah, did you save the intro from earlier? I think I did, but let's do it again. It had more right. yeah, because... I have more spunk. So, you have been listening to the Oyster Cast with Ron Cowie and Alex Bordelier, and we have had a really good time being here with you. Please follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen, and, and drop us a line on our website at theoysterfarm.com/podcast. You can see all of the episodes up there. You can subscribe, and you can leave us a question if you have one, and we will get to it on next week's episode. Thank you very much. You're the best. See you next week. Yeah. It just gets better and better.
next time. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. 